good health is a crown worn by the healthy that only the ill can see. Your health really is your wealth. Join us for the next hour as we explore disease and attaining and maintaining good health. This is Dischem Medical Monday, brought to you by Dischem, pharmacists who care. And good morning to you. Happy Monday, and certainly happy Dischem Medical Monday. My name is Kathy Kayla. I'm the, I will be your host for the next hour on this Dischem Medical Monday. You know, the very first commandment given to man and to all to all mankind was go forth and multiply. And for many of us, it was very seamless. It was very easy to get pregnant. It was very easy to have children. But that's not the case for many, many people. I thought that it's, uh, it's very significant for us to be able to talk about it because it's also it's an area where there's so much innovation and technology. And as our understanding increases, we get better and better at it. We know that women over the age of 35, over the age of 40, are having children. In years gone by, in decades gone by, it was always thought that fertility was the woman's problem. We now know that 30% is due to some issue with the woman, 30% some issue with the man, and 30% we just don't know. I thought, let, this, is a, this is such an interesting, interesting topic. It is such an interesting subject. And it's relevant to so many people. So uh, we've brought in the best of the best, as we always do for you. And I just want to give a shout-out to my producer, Harry Seleke, who's just a rock star. And uh, joining me this morning is Dr. Jack Biko, who is the president of the Southern African Society for Reproductive Medicine and Gynecological Endoscopy. He's a fertility specialist, uh, Femicare Fertility and Advanced Endoscopic Surgery Centre, and Reproductive Medicine Specialist and Consultant at the Reproductive and Endocrine Unit at Pretoria University. And uh, if you've got any questions, I'd love to hear. It could be general, it could be specific, but it does need to be around fertility, right, and getting pregnant. This is how you get in touch. You can send an SMS on 34519 that number again 34519 you can send your questions through on Telegram if you have the app and that number is 061-895-1019 you can post your question on the HIFM Facebook page which is HIFM 101.9 or you can tweet at HIFM, C-H-A-I-F-M. If you want to be a little bit more personal and not so out there with social media, you, you can also uh, send an email to info, no, not info, it's on air, on air at HIFM.com, C-H-A-I-F-M.com. Good morning, Dr. Biko, how are you? Good morning. Thank you for having me on your program this morning. Thank you very, very much for your time and for being so willing to share your expertise. So, as the first commandment given to man, do we know in terms of population how many people suffer with uh, infertility or fertility issues? Unfortunately, the situation is even getting worse these days. We now know that 
currently one in six couples, one in six couples will struggle to conceive without the help of doctors or fertility specialists. So infertility is getting worse every day because of various factors, male factors, female factors. But the situation is, is not good. It's not getting better. Let's talk about those those factors. I mean, one in six is incredibly high. You know, if, there, if, that, if that was a disease, we would be very alarmed. Actually, infertility is a disease. The WHO says that infertility is a disease, but the problem is the medical aids do not define it as a disease. Therefore, they will not pay for its treatment. So they can't allow the WHO to tell them it's a disease because it's going to cost them a lot of money. So our lifestyles have changed a lot over the last hundred or so years. And we have become busier. We work a lot more. We start having kids much later in our lifetime when things are much more difficult. Remember, ladies are born with a fixed number of eggs. And those eggs decline progressively as we get older. And that decline in egg quality and egg quantity is worsened, or rather is quicker, after the age of 35. Hmm. Now we know that most women before the age of 35 are busy building their careers. They don't have time to make babies before then. They are building their careers. And then when they wake up at the age of 35, 36, the egg air quality has declined significantly. And therefore we got... Okay, so there's there's a lot of issues around this. One is obviously, you know, when as you as you're speaking, I'm thinking about the profound effect of the contraceptive pill. I don't think that there has yep. been any, I don't know, medical intervention that has had such a profound mm-hmm. effect on human behaviour as the contraceptive yep. pill. Yeah, and whatever the intention, it's 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 really crazy. All right, let's get to the different factors that yes. are currently influ- influencing infertility. Yeah, what is what would you say is the number one factor for couples that are really struggling to have kids? So, how, how, infertility is not an individual problem. Infertility is a couple problem. It's very important for our folks at home that to understand them because we don't want a situation whereby one person blames the other. You can't say, no, it's your fault or whatever. Let me tell you something. If the wife has got a small problem and the husband has got a small problem, then it makes it a big problem. Right. But if one of them has got no problem and the other one has got a small problem, then usually there's no problem. It comes... It, it's going to overcome that. Right. So the biggest challenge is that it is both couples having small little issues with them. And those two little small things make it a big thing. But in general, we've seen over the years, there's a rapid decline in male infertility. Now, 50 years ago, about 60% of our sperms were normal sperms. Today, only 4% of our sperms are normal. So we dropped from 60% normal to 4% normal. And that is because of the lifestyle changes that are present today. And we have seen this drop in sperm count correlating with the increased use of chemicals in agriculture, in our households, in all of industry. So the more chemicals we use, the more our sperm counts drop. That is terrifying. That's absolutely terrifying. 
Yeah, and it's, I mean, house, household equipment, chemicals that we clean the houses with, got a negative effect on reproduction. You know, those stuff we paint on our nails, it's got a negative effect on the production <laughs> of, of our sperms, our little ones, our little boys that were exposed to these things. They get negatively affected by all these chemicals, and therefore eventually their sperm counts are going to drop. Why so is nobody talking about this? Why is nobody warning men, you know, when you when you spray... When, you know, when your wife comes and cleans the table or when you clean the table and you're spraying it with Mr. Yeah. Whatever, then, you know, that that can actually have an impact on your sperm count. Absolutely. These are called endocrine disrupting chemicals. Because these chemicals disrupt the function of your hormones and therefore you get a problem with fertility. It's a common problem. It's ubiquitous. These chemicals, they're everywhere. And we use them every day. Unfortunately, they are there. We have to see how we deal with them. And in uh, the ladies' side, yeah. the commonest problem, like I said, is the age. Ladies wait until they are older before they are pregnant. And then issues like infections of the genital tract. And a big one that is very, very common, endometriosis. And fibroids, endometriosis. I think, are red. Yeah. It can cause serious problems with regard to infertility. And in African patients... They've got a big problem with fibroids because almost every African patient has got a fibroid and those can have a negative impact, not only on falling pregnant, but also on staying pregnant. Okay, so just before we move on, can you just define what is endometriosis? What is it? Okay, so mothers tend to tell their daughters that it is normal to have period pains. Don't cry, it's normal to have period pains. Now, one of the commonest causes of period pains is endometriosis. So I'm here to tell you, ladies, that it is not normal to have period pains. If period pains affect your quality of life, they impair you for functioning at school, then that's not normal. We accept period pains the first two years after the start of your periods. Thereafter, there shouldn't be any period pain. If there are period pains, there's a problem. And one of the commonest causes of period pain is endometriosis. Now, endometriosis simply means that the inner lining of the womb, that lining that you bleed out every month, you call it menstruation, if that inner lining is also inside the body, it means that you cannot bleed it out. It stays in there. And then every month, that lining gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like a blood clot forming inside the body. So you don't only bleed externally during your periods, but you bleed internally. And that is called endometriosis. That sounds incredibly painful. Incredibly painful. It is very painful. Okay, so it is very um, you also mentioned fibroids. What causes fibroids yeah. and, you know, how is that treated? So fibroids, we're not exactly sure what's causing them, but we do know is that there's a genetic component to them. That's why they're so common in African patients. But the exact cause, we're not so sure. We just think it's genetic factors that are involved. These are growths in the womb that can lead to heavy periods, heavy menstrual bleeding. And then sometimes the ladies present as if they are pregnant when they are not pregnant because things are quite big. They make your tummy look like you're pregnant and often you get asked questions, are you pregnant? When does the baby come and stuff like that? Which is quite disturbing for the girls because they know they're not pregnant. It's just a big growth that's inside there. And that big growth can then put pressure on the bladder. Then you go to the toilet frequently, can put pressure on the intestines and giving you constipation and stuff like that. Sounds painful and then, like I said, as well. Yeah. 
if they are big, they are quite painful. The problem is that they tend to go with endometriosis, and the endo is a more painful one than the fibroids. Yeah. Okay, so those are the two very common um, conditions that are affecting female fertility. fertility. Yeah. Right. Um, lifestyle, you said, is mainly in men, but I, I, I'm still trying to get my head around the fact that it's one in six couples that will need medical intervention or some some sort of intervention in order to have children. I'm Kathy Kayla. This is the Discam Medical Monday. My guest this morning is Dr. Jack Biko. He is the president of the Southern African Society of Reproductive Medicine and Gynecological Endoscopy. Let me tell you something. You cannot get a better person to talk about this. If you if you are struggling with fertility, if you know somebody who's struggling with fertility, and if you have any questions, this is the guy. It's going to be very difficult to just, you know, call him up and say, hey, I have a question. So what I'm inviting you to do is send your question through. If you don't want me to read your name, you know, you can either put another name or you can just sign it as anonymous and I won't read your name because I do think that uh, there are certain medical questions that we don't want out there, but we want the answers, right? So you want to get in touch with me, 34519, that is the SMS line. Those SMSs are charged at VAS rates. You can also send a telegram on 061-895-1019. You're also welcome to send an email on air at chaifm.com, C-H-A-I-F-M.com. In a little while, I'm going to be uh, finding out more about fertility, the challenges, and most importantly, what is the ideal age to have a baby. Be right back. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. I'm Kathy Kayla. Thank you so much for joining me this morning for this Discam Medical Monday. It was the first commandment given to mankind was to go forth and multiply. You know, it's even mm-hmm. it's even made it found its way into Common, uh, I don't know, phraseology, if you want to call, you know, go forth and multiply. Uh, we're talking about fertility this morning. And if you've got any questions, you can send them through on 34519. That is the SMS line. 34519. You can also send a telegram on 061-895-1019. You can send an email to onair at com. And I'm very happy to preserve your identity if you have a serious question and you don't want me to read your name, I will not. Just sign it from anonymous, okay? But my guest this morning is Dr. Jack Biko. He is the president of the Southern African Society of Reproductive Medicine and Gynecological Endoscopy. He's a fertility specialist at Femicare Fertility and Advanced Endoscopic Surgery Center, and he's a reproductive medicine specialist and consultant at the Reproductive and Endocrine Unit at Pretoria University. You cannot, I don't think that there's a person more qualified to talk about fertility. Dr. Biko, is there an ideal age at which to have children? In terms of women and men, because obviously, I mean, does the quality of sperm, as a man ages, does the quality of sperm also diminish? Or is it just the quality yeah, of eggs? It's a very good question. Very good question. <laughs> so let's put it this way. Women are born with two million eggs. By the time they reach puberty, they are left with 200,000 eggs. Why? 
You've lost almost all your eggs before you reach puberty. So we're dealing with a difficult situation here. And then from puberty, you're going to continue to lose those eggs. And that loss will even be rapid after the age of 35. So the ideal age to fall pregnant, (laughs) the earlier the better. But you can't, because you must be at school. You must improve yourself, you must go get educated, build your career. But ideally, in the 20s, but practically, you can imagine, people are still at school at varsity at that time. But truly speaking, from an egg point of view, from an egg quality and egg quantity point of view, it is the 20s, maybe early 30s. Otherwise, we're in trouble. Because we are born with a set number of eggs. This is different for men. Men form new sperms every three months. So every three months, men form new sperms. As men get older, obviously, the quality and the quantity also decline. But that decline is not close to what's happening with ladies. So It's a bit unfair. It, it's completely unfair. All right. So what you do is you, you accept it. We, we, we accept it as men, so it's all right. I'm having I'm having a moment here because, you know, when you say that women are born with two million eggs, by the t- you know, and we have those eggs in our teens, but by the time we get to our twenties, we're talking about two hundred thousand. Okay. So what happened to the one point eight million? Were they reabsorbed into our body during? whatever process during adolescence perhaps because i mean clearly we don't have 1.8 million periods during our, our teenagehood i mean you're challenging everything we know well certainly yeah. that i've been taught is that you know that's the whole reason for menstruation is that you're losing an egg every month so what happens to the 1.8 million eggs you lose eggs every month, whether you see your periods or whether you don't see your periods. They're independent of your periods. So eggs die rapidly over the time, irrespective of what you do. Contraceptive pills that people use will not stop your eggs from dying. You're going to lose eggs irrespective. That rate of loss is different among different women. Some women lose them quicker and they're going to menopause earlier. Others lose them slower and they're going to menopause later, but there's a loss, a rapid loss. And me and you have got no control over that loss. Of course, it can get worse in smokers and stuff like that, and those who use certain chemicals or infections of the ovaries that can increase the rate of loss of those eggs. But we don't really have control as to how the rate of loss of the eggs. So it happens throughout every day you lose eggs as we're sitting down here. We lose eggs every day. What is the... Is how we are... I'm sorry. Um, yeah. When I was busy researching for this show, you know, in the past it was thought that it was a woman's problem for infertility. Today we know that up to 30% yes. of, the, you know, the issues around fertility, up to 30% could, can be attributed to the woman, up to 30% can be to the man, and Absolutely. the rest can all be attributed to other factors that we don't really know. Yeah. What is the process in finding out what the different factors are? And then I want to also talk about male, um, male sperm health because that, that's, that's also important. I think we've, we've spoken quite a lot about women. Yeah. So it's important that uh, couples get investigated if they don't fall pregnant. So we normally give them six months to a year to try. If they don't fall pregnant, then we do investigations. There are certain investigations we do in women. 
and there are other investigations that we have to do in Maine because this is a couple of problems. Now, we are first of all have to take the history of the patient, look at the age of the patient. It's important to know how old you are. Age is very important. And then history of previous infections and stuff like that. And then we examine the patients. We look for signs of infections of the womb and the following tubes. We look for the presence of endometriosis and fibroids to make sure everything is fine. And then if necessary, we do a blood test on ladies to, te- to determine the egg reserve, to see how many eggs do you have in reserve. We can do a blood test that will tell me that you've got adequate eggs in reserve or no, you don't have adequate egg in reserve, so I must rush and get you pregnant as soon as possible. Now, the same thing will happen in the May. We take a full history, find out if there are previous bicycle injuries as a kid in the testicles, soccer injuries, rugby injuries, and stuff like that. And then from there, we do a semen analysis. We take their sperms. We're going to assess the sperms. Look at the number of sperms. How do they move? Do they move in circles or do they move straight? What proportion of those sperms are normal? Like I said, currently, we are happy if a man has just about 4% normal sperms. That's how bad things are. We are happy with 4% normal sperms. 4%. Then we say you are a normal man. Decades ago, what was considered normal? Like what percentage would be? 60%. 60% then it's been dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. Now it's 4%. So... I actually read also that laptops, laptop, okay, you know what, we're going to keep this for Mythbusters. We're going to do a Mythbuster <laughs> section with, session with, uh, with Dr. Jack Biko, my guest. By the way, just a reminder, if you've got any questions about fertility, this is the go-to guy. There is no better person to answer your questions. So uh, send, send them through, 34519, that is the SMS line, or telegram 061-895-1019. Or you can even email on air at chayfm.com. I'm Kathy Kaler. This is the Diskin Medical Monday. Right, we're talking about sperms. You were talking earlier about endocrine disrupting chemicals. Right, so yeah. this could be cleaning, cleaning ingredients. I mean, could it also be the things like, um, you know, fabric softeners on our clothes, anything chemical in our environment, air fresheners? I mean, we work with chemicals all day, every day. And that's not even looking at food and GM- genetically modified foods. Kathy, my grandparents and your grandparents used to have a lot of children. Yes. They didn't struggle to pregnant. They didn't have these chemicals during those times. Is, is Something has gone wrong. Our life has gone more, much more easier, but our reproduction has gotten worse over the time. And one of the factors are the presence of these chemicals because they impair the function of our hormones. Our estrogen and progesterone and testosterone are impaired. And therefore, reproduction has become a big problem these days. The human reproductive system is the most inefficient system in the human body. Because even if everything is fine, the chances of a couple to fall pregnant is probably less than 20% per month. Even if everything is fine. Wow. Because the system is inefficient. Wow. So, and, and then the rate of miscarriage is also the rate of spontaneous miscarriages are also very, very high. We haven't even really spoken about that, about uh, because yeah. that would also fall under this, uh, you know, the subject of infertility is yeah. is yeah. when one's body cannot contain that that uh, that pregnancy yeah. for the for the full yeah. term. What are the What are the reasons for miscarriage? I mean, is is there like a general 
reason why a body would uh, expel um, a fetus or an embryo. Yeah, the, I'll tell you the commonest reasons. First of all, the womb is alive. It's not a dead structure. The womb takes control of what, what's happening inside the womb, independent of you as a woman. So when a baby's inside the womb, that baby secretes certain chemicals. Normal babies secrete, let's say, normal chemicals. Abnormal babies will secrete abnormal chemicals. And the womb can detect that this is an abnormal chemical or a normal chemical. If the chemical is abnormal, the womb has to do its job by rejecting that baby, causing implantation failure or a miscarriage. So the commonest causes of early miscarriages, it's abnormal babies. Okay. And like I said, older patients tend to have a higher incidence of miscarriages because they've got a higher incidence of abnormal babies. So that's why even with IVF, the success rate of IVF is age-dependent. The older you are, the less the success rate. And if you do get you pregnant, there's a higher rate risk of getting miscarriage because of the abnormalities of, of the embryos. And the commonest cause would be egg abnormalities because the eggs are old. If you're 35 years old, your eggs are 35 years and a couple of months old because you had those eggs before you were born. That's also actually mind-blowing that, that we could actually be walking around as teenagers. No wonder teenagers are so stroppy and sassy, you know, especially girls, because they're carrying around two million eggs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so please bear with them now you understand <laughs> it all makes sense now but um, yeah. no, I understand so what happens if somebody over the age of 45 somebody, you know, a couple they've been building their careers, they want to build a life that can actually sustain you know, children and give their children everything because that's often the motivation right, is that let's build a life that you know, we can provide everything for our children yeah. Yeah. So maybe you've got a woman who's in her 40s and maybe he's in his late 40s or early 50s. Yeah. Is there a way to guarantee that that couple can have a child? So, and this is what we need to educate our community about, is that um, there are processes available that can allow us to preserve our fertility whilst we are busy doing other stuff. Because we do a lot of egg freezing with these young professional girls who say, Dr. Biko, I am not ready for a relationship or I don't want to get married now. I'm not ready to have kids now. I want to go into my career. Can you please just freeze my eggs? So somebody comes here in the early 30s, we then freeze their eggs. We get 10, 15, or 20 eggs. We freeze them. We put them away. And they come back when they're 45 years old or whatever age. Her eggs are still 30 years old, even if she's 45 years old. But the most important thing is the age of the eggs, not the age of the womb. We can get anybody pregnant, irrespective of how old they are, as long as they've got young eggs. So I think egg freezing is not spoken about enough in this country. People don't know about it, and therefore they don't utilize it. Because we see also a lot of girls in the 45, 48, 49-year-old age group, we haven't frozen their eggs. And in that case, then we rely on donor eggs. It's also got long of a lot of youngsters who are happy to donate their eggs to assist couples like these to have a child of their own with donated eggs. And the success rate of IVF with donated eggs is extremely good. Hmm. You know, 
yeah, I think that that the IVF is a is a whole bigger topic, and I mean we could even go Absolutely. to we could even yeah, go to places absolutely. like you know what happens if you date somebody who you know somehow you genetically related to, but you know what we're not even going to yeah. go there. Yeah, we're no, we do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we do that a lot. We do that a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, keeping. So the, the keeping bottom line is that if you if you can, these young ladies out there, if you can, we'd recommend that freeze your eggs. If you're not sure what to do, just freeze your eggs. We say freeze your eggs and free your career. That's amazing. Um, I've heard of people freezing their sperm. I've heard of men freezing their sperm, women freezing their eggs prior to, you know, perhaps if they have unfortunately been diagnosed with a life-threatening disease for which they yes. need to take treatment. Uh, yes. Does that life-threatening disease, say, let's just say cancer as an example, have any impact on sperm and egg quality before you freeze them? Yeah, so what chemotherapy does, what radiotherapy does, they kill the ovaries and the testes. So they kill the sperms in there and they kill the eggs in there and they render the young lady to be menopausal. It's called primary ovarian insufficiency. What the public calls premature menopause. Right, so now the oncologists are now aware that centers are available, we are available in this country, whereby before they start chemotherapy, before they start radiotherapy, before they start surgery for cancer, they send them to us so we can freeze those eggs, we put the eggs away, and then they go do their chemotherapy, radiotherapy, their surgery. After that, once they're in remission, then they can come back, we can then get them pregnant, then they carry their own babies with their own eggs. Earlier you said that men make this make sperm or um yeah, live sperm every three months. Why would a That's male right. why would a male need to freeze his sperm? Because once they had chemo or radiotherapy, then they can't make the sperms anymore. Oh da- it damages the mechanics yes. basically. The, 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 the stem cells, what called the stem cells in the testes, are damaged. Therefore, they cannot make them anymore. Therefore, they have to freeze them. Gosh, this is fascinating. This is fascinating. Where are we in terms of technology? How is technology being used to help couples to have children? I mean, what is South what Africa? Is the- we are we are quite advanced. We are really advanced. I think we are almost on par with the rest of the world because we can freeze. Not only eggs and testes, but also ovarian tissue can be frozen. So like those young girls who haven't really, we can just take a piece of the ovary out and put it away and transplant it later, once after the So we are quite advanced. Also, we are able now to test the babies before I put them inside the womb to see if the baby is normal or abnormal. This especially for those communities where there's a high incidence of genetic abnormalities or you're married to your cousin and stuff like that, we can test those babies before I put it back inside the room to ensure that I don't put in an abnormal baby. And therefore, I reduce the risk of the patients having a miscarriage because I put in a normal baby. That's incredible. So if, for example, um, there's a genetic uh, condition in the Jewish community, uh, Tay-Sachs, yeah. right? Um, that yeah. To the extent that Couples need to be tested to see if if both of them are carriers. Yes. Because it is a recessive yeah. gene. Before they recessive get married, disorder, yeah. we've even got yeah. a registry that um, before you even meet one another, you know, you you see yeah. who, who's a carrier and who isn't. I mean, 
if somebody has a Tay-Sachs um, embryo, is there something that we could do about that? You choose not to transfer that embryo. So you, you, let's say we, we make a couple of embryos and we choose the normal embryo to, to transfer and not one with Tay-Sachs. So there's, there's advantage of pre-implantation genetic testing. Right. Uh, I have the advantage of going to, to Tel Aviv, where they've got a big center where they do all this. But they taught us exactly how to do ovarian tissue care preservation because, they, they, as you know, the Jews are big in this aspect. So we learn a lot from them as well because they are really, really good in this aspect. So now we can choose the baby without the mutation and transfer that baby into the uterus. Incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, do you ever sit back and wonder and just realize how... What a gift it is to be able to help couples have children. I mean, do you realize that, you know, you, you, your team become responsible for bringing new life into the world yeah. that otherwise would not the, happen? We do. The only other thing which worries us, we are more worried because many other times things don't go well. Patients spend a lot of money. They've got all their hopes on us and the processes and things don't go well. And you can imagine somebody sold their house, their cars, spent a lot of money. We get this baby, put it inside the womb. That's a big problem. Once we've put the baby inside the womb, we have no control. Right, right. And that's a big problem. My guest this morning, Dr. Jack Biko, who is an absolute delight. He really is the best possible person to speak about infertility. He is the president of the Southern African Society of Reproductive Medicine and Gynecological Endoscopy. He is a fertility specialist at Femicare Fertility and Advanced Endoscopic Surgery Center, and he's a reproductive medicine specialist and consultant at the Reproductive and Endocrine Unit at Pretoria University. If you have any questions, send them through. 34519, that is the text line. Those SMSs are charged at VAS rates. That means whatever your mobile carrier charges you. You can also send a telegram to 061-895-1019. You can also send me an email on air at com. If you don't want me to mention your name, I won't. You can either sign it anon or just not sign your name at all. I'm Kathy Kayla. This is the Disco Medical Monday. Right, before we wrap up, because we, we have a little bit of time, I wanted to play a game with Dr. Biko called Fact or Fiction, right, about fertility. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, fact or fiction, being on the pill for too long will delay pregnancy. Is that true or false? False. False? Okay. Why is that? I mean, d don't hormones need to kind of reset after being on the pill for a long time? Uh -uh. So the pills prevent ovulation for that month whilst you're on it. Yes. All right. So this is different from the injectables. The injectables can take longer, six months or so, but the pill within a month or two, the system should be in place again. Okay, there we go. Easy. <laughs> um, for men, let's talk about male fertility. Boxer shorts are better than briefs when you're trying to conceive. Is that true or false? The reason why the testes are outside and not inside like, like the ovaries is because they need fresh air. Okay. If they are warmed up, if they are at body temperature, then sperm production ceases. So uh -huh. anything and that's the same question we asked earlier on about the laptops, having them on our labs. They burn our testes. They impair the quality of our sperms. 
So you have to do anything to keep your testes cool at less than body temperature to have a functioning uh, semen. How is that even possible? I mean, if you just think about areas of the body, you know, it could be even under your arms. I mean, it's much warmer than your elbow, for example. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how many men actually think about that before I sit down on that hot step or, you know, that, that's, that's crazy. So it could actually have a... These are small things. Yeah, these are small things that make a huge difference to your outcomes. Yeah. I'm still getting my head around the endocrine... Interrupting can chemicals. You know, what are you not going to clean the house and clean the house? Yeah, cleaning, in, <laughs> cleaning ingredients. I'm going back to vinegar and water. Okay. Yeah. Laptops can impair sperm production. You just said that that is true. Um, watching a sexy movie can help you get pregnant. True or false? So, there is uh, erectile dysfunction in men. It might help with erectile dysfunction per se, and therefore, cause people to have more intercourse and therefore get pregnancy. But there's no direct effect of, of pregnancy and watching the movie. Yes. It's what it does to the emotions and stuff like that. That can cause action to happen and then people can fall pregnant. Okay. So it's a, yeah. All right. So we are myth-busting here big time. All right. So another one <laughs> yeah. is if you want to get pregnant, order up some oysters. Is that true or false? Nutritional aspects will help in falling pregnant. You know, you've got the right proteins. It should help. It will not harm you. Okay. It'll cost more. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Um, the more sex you have during your fertile days, the more likely you are to conceive. No. Uh, you don't have to have more than, more sex than once every two days or so. Even during fertile periods? Remember, remember, the sperms, once they're ejaculated into the uterus, they can stay in the fallopian tubes for 72 hours. That's five days. So sperms can stay in the fallopian tube for up to five days. So you don't have to ejaculate every every three, four times a day. You can you can do it once every two days. That's, that's adequate. Once every two days is adequate. So so when I I mean I'm thinking back to movies that I've seen where you know the woman says you know what it's that time and this is my temperature and we need to go and have sex now, which I think is just a complete you know <laughs> romance <horrible>. killer. <laughs> horrible. Yes, yeah, yeah. terrible and unbelievable pressure on a relationship. You know, have to do it now, and you know, where's the romance? Whatever. Yeah. So, so that's not necessarily thing. true. Is that what you're saying? Sex is a psychological thing. If you tell somebody to go have intercourse at this particular time, it doesn't work. You know, we don't like to say have intercourse at five o'clock or whatever. It doesn't work. What we like to say is that try to have intercourse at least once every second day during a window for ovulation. Try to have it once every second day. That, that's much better than say, today at 7 o'clock, I'm going to have late. My mucus is like this. Let's do this. No, it doesn't work like that. Man, you can't, it's not like a tablet you turn on and off. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. It creates more stress, more pressure. And therefore, there's more stress and more pressure. There's no ejaculation problems like that. So another, another, another one that we need to get clarity, clarity on is after an egg is released, it can be fertilized for up to two days. Which I think is going back to what you're saying about, you know, the, the so, sperm living in the uterus for up to five days. The sperm lives in the, in the uterus tubes for 72 hours and the eggs need to be fertilized within 18 hours, otherwise they're dead. One day. So basically, you've got, ladies have got one day a month that they can fall pregnant. If you don't know your day, that's it. Huh. For the month. 
That's so interesting because, I mean, we, in the Jewish community, we've got something called Taharas Mishbacha, which is family purity, right? So yeah. when a woman, and I'm just going to explain to listeners who've never heard of this before, mm-hmm. is that in the Jewish community, when a woman has her period, she separates physically from her husband. Right she, until after yeah. she's had her period. After her after yes. her period, she has to count seven clear days where there is no blood. She has to do checks, and only once she's been clear for seven clear days. So I don't know if you're doing this, but this is almost two weeks after your period. Um, probably, yeah. She goes to a ritual bath. It's called a mikvah, and that night she's with her husband, which I think is quite an amazing thing because it's around about that time that women are ovulating. And then you're with your husband for the rest of the month until your next period, which is also, I suppose, quite good for the relationship, you know, because when you're not together physically, you've got to build the relationship. But, um, I mean, so time, time might be quite material. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, my only concern with that is that um, the day of, of ovulation differs amongst the different women. It depends on your cycle length. So... The average cycle length is about 28 days, which means that those average patients will ovulate on day 14 of their cycle. But then the cycle can also be 21 days long, which means you can ovulate seven days before day 14, which means that you can ovulate three, four days after the end of your period. So it's about the cycle length that's important. It's important to know how long is the cycle because you're going to ovulate for about 14 days before the next cycle. Right. So if your cycle is 21 days, it's going to ovulate on day 7 of your cycle, which is quite early. So not everybody ovulates on day 14. Some will be earlier, some will be later. But your doctor will be able to monitor you and tell you exactly which day of the month. Or if you tell us your history of your cycle length, we can tell you exactly which day you're ovulating. We can, because we can do that. We can tell you exactly which day of the month you're ovulating. Then be with your husband around that day. Before, I prefer actually that People must have intercourse on the day before ovulation. So by the time you ovulate, the sperm's already there. Absolutely fascinating. So by the time it ovulates, you know, it has a welcoming committee. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All these wonderful sperms are waiting for this one egg that's coming. Anticipating you know. her arrival. Yes, speaking about Absolutely. arrival, um, myth or fact, you need to have an orgasm in order to conceive. Not correct. Not correct. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure that a lot of people are <laughs> relieved. <laughs> okay. Another one is um, myth or fact. Saliva is the most fertility-friendly lubricant to use when you're trying to conceive. Uh, fiction. Not correct. Not correct. Can, could it do damage? Possibly it can damage the sperms, but we don't prefer saliva. You have to use approved uh, lubricants to do that. Okay. But not saliva. Yeah. Yeah, not saliva. All right. Um, myth or fact, the average couple conceives within three months of trying. Twelve months. Twelve months. Twelve months of trying. Okay. So if a couple hasn't been able to conceive and they really have been trying for, you know, say six months, at what point do you say, well, we need to get medical intervention? Would you, would you advise them to wait for a whole year? For 12 months. It depends. It depends on the age of the woman. If it's a young couple, less than 35, I would say try for a year. If they're about 35, between 35 and 38 or so, I would say try for six months. Anybody who's 38 and above or 14 and above, 
we help them immediately because we don't have time. Right. We don't have time. So the older they are, then we, the, the sooner we start. Yeah, so from but 35. But must understand that, yeah, that if you get married today, you will not be pregnant next month. It takes time. Are we at a point where we can determine gender of, ch- of the child or the sex of the child? Yeah, we can do that. Before we transfer it, we can. That's incredible. Um, so, myth or fact, the longer it takes you to get pregnant, the more likely you are to conceive a boy. Is it this true? Is a new one. <laughs> <laughs> no, <it's not> true. <laughs> no, we can make these up as we go along. <laughs> no, no, the sex is determined by this, by the, whether it's an X sperm or a Y sperm. Yes. Nothing to do with the language thing, yeah. Is, does it um, have an impact, the time of the month that you conceive? Does that influence the the sex of the child? Sex. Because, I've, you know, we see it in animals, also temperature, you know, environmental so factors. That doesn't mean described in humans. It has been described in animals, you are right. But in humans, it hasn't been described. Okay. Also, humans don't go heat and stuff like that, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, myth or fact, you're more likely to experience fertility challenges if you're a first-timer, if it's your first baby. True? No, it's not correct. Um, the commonest cause of infertility in Africa is secondary infertility, which is after the first one. Most people in this country, in this part of the world, they suffer with the second baby, not with the first pregnancy. So secondary infertility is more common than primary infertility, so it's not correct. Why is that? I think because we're getting older. As you get older, you get more problems. You know, fibroids come in, you get diabetes, you've been busy, you've been exposed to all sorts of stuff in life, so life becomes more difficult. Oh, interesting. I think, I think, yeah, I think so. You know, we hear about women's biological clocks ticking. Is it myth, yeah. myth or fact that it's a fact. men, okay, well that's definitely a fact. You've said, you've Female said a number of times, but yeah. is it true or not true that men don't have a biological clock? No, they do have a clock. They do have a clock? They, they do have a clock, yeah. Okay. So the quality of the sperms also decline as they get older. All right. Um, another one, the impact of uh, alcohol on fertility. Does it have any impact on fertility, either for the male or the female? Alcohol affects sexual function, not fertility per se. Okay. So it affects sexual function, not fertility. Okay. So if he's... If he's uh, Drinking a little bit too much, you might then want to kind of just cut it back. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, myth or fact, you can wait until you're pregnant before you start cutting back on caffeine. Does caffeine have an impact on, on fertility? Too much caffeine too much caffeine is got a negative impact on, on falling pregnant. But it's moderate. I'm not so sure it's moderate. But too much caffeine does have a negative impact on consuming. Yeah. How much coffee do you have a day? Three. Three. <laughs> okay, not too bad. <laughs> Dr. Biko, it has been an absolute delight and a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with myself, with our listeners, and uh, really thank you very, very much for making the time in your very busy schedule to speak to us today on this Discam Medical Monday. Wish you all the best. Thank you, Kathy, and the listeners of KFM for having me on this hour. It's a pleasure to have been here. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's Dr. Jack Biko. He's the president of the Southern African Society of Reproductive Medicine and Gynecological Endoscopy. He's also a fertility specialist 
at uh, Femicare Fertility and Advanced Endoscopic Surgery Center, and he's a reproductive medicine specialist and consultant at the Reproductive and Endocrine Unit at Pretoria University. I will be back with you next week. And what we're going to be talking about, it's a new feature that we're actually bringing onto Disc and Medical Monday. Once a month, we're going to talk about specific medications. We're going to take one or two medications and we're going to look at the side effects, what the application is, um, if they're used on script, off script. And next week, Monday, we're going to be talking about drugs that are used for weight loss, that are not prescribed for weight loss. If you've heard the word Ozampic, you need to be listening. So uh, that's it. For this week, this Discam Medical Monday. Thank you so much to my producer Harry Seleke. Thank you so much to my get to my guest, Dr. Jack Biko, and thank you to you for joining me. Thank you, Craig, for uh, engineering the show this morning. I wish you a fantastic day. Stay warm, stay healthy, and I'll be, be I'll be back next week. God bless. Bye. <laughs>